0: Death. 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 Death is a
1: penalty. Welcome. This is All the Fuckin', a podcast from two entrepreneurs about showing up for social justice in your work. This isn't your typical capitalist-focused entrepreneurial business podcast. There are already plenty of those. We're here because we've been craving voices rooted in activism, justice, and integrity with those values. These are
0: conversations about all things business and entrepreneurship, but from a radical perspective that says we don't have to choose between social justice values and being successful in our work. This won't be a place where we claim to have all the answers. Our intention is to offer guidance and support while also encouraging our listeners to discover and live into more questions. We believe these conversations require ongoing practice and a consistent dedication to unlearning.
1: If you're ready to go all the fuck in on what matters most while creating an abundant life, you're in the right place.
0: And a quick note on our content we believe self care is radical and non negotiable in the work of both justice and entrepreneurship. So, some of these conversations include mention of trauma, both from a systemic and often racialized perspective, and in relationship to experiences like sexual violence. We hope you do what you need to take care of yourself while listening, even if that means pausing and returning to an episode at another time or skipping it altogether.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is Tristan speaking. I use they, them pronouns. This is Lauren, she, her. And we are here with a special guest today. I'm going to let our guest introduce herself. Will you take it away?
2: Sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, My name is Melissa Shaw, and I use she, her pronouns. Um, I currently reside on the unceded land of East Chumash and Tongva people in um, colonized as Los Angeles and California. Um, I identify as cis and um, able-bodied and also first-generation Indian American. Mm,
1: thank you, Melissa. And any astrology you're aware of that you'd mm. like to offer?
2: Yes. Um, I'm currently obsessed with moon signs. And so I have like all these like moon books. Um, So my moon sign is Libra, and my sun sign is Pisces, and my rising is Gemini. Ooh. Interesting mix. And my partner, um, he's a Pisces, sun sign Pisces too, so it's always an interesting time.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. My partner and I have the same sun sign as well. I I don't encounter that many couples who have the same Same.
2: sunshine. That's interesting. I yeah. think I think um, it's re- it's a really interesting mix. I'm um, so great in so many ways. I think when it gets like challenging is if we're both like really stressed. That right. Thing, like if-, if one person's stressed, the other person's like, I totally know how to care for you. It's all gonna be great. But if both of us are stressed, we're like, we just like separate into different rooms and like do our yoga practice. We're like need to not talk to each other. But I, I, we have we have completely different moon signs, so I think that's um, keeps the balance.
0: Mm. <laughs> that's so funny.
1: Will you also share, Melissa, for the listeners who aren't familiar with you and the work you do in the world? Will you share a bit about that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, so I work primarily as a yoga therapist. I work with people one-on-one, but I also do some group offerings. Um, in my yoga therapy work, one thing I really focus on is um, customizing, but really like adapting these yoga practices to people's like individual needs where they are right now, but also like where they want to go and what direction they want to go and how to support them with that. Not just on a doing your yoga practice everyday level, but um, lifestyle, uh, you know, identity, all sorts of things. Um, I also work uh, with a team called Reclamation Ventures and we're a venture studio that invests in underestimated wellness entrepreneurs. Um, So we do grant rounds every quarter. I know Tristan, you're very familiar with them. Yes, and, are. um, in that work, I get to work a lot on the grants, which is really fun, but I also get to work, uh, in a, like a sub company we have within that venture studio called Well and, Mental, and we do a lot of work with educators and parents and caregivers on creating inclusive spaces where kids can like breathe and practice and develop, um, you know, develop really great skills for managing stress and connecting with their emotions.
0: Mm. And for our listeners, Wella Mental is what used to be called Yoga Foster, correct?
2: Yes. Okay, it's true. Yeah, and we um, we rebranded um, like right before the pandemic started, and then really like during the first year of the pandemic, we we had our we had the things we were doing, but we were like, what we really need to have is like an app um, where there was a lot of pre recorded things for parents and um, parents and teachers to use. So that's like something that we're basically we're trying to focus on right now.
1: Hmm. Amazing. Yeah. How did
0: you um, first get involved with Reclamation Ventures? Obviously, Nicole Cardoza is across all of these things. Yeah.
2: Um, (laughs) She's amazing. Um, I actually started by working with Nicole at Yoga Foster. Uh, We met back when we were both living in New York when she had first launched Yoga Foster like years and years ago. And we've always just stayed connected. I used to volunteer um, with them and like help fundraise, like things like that. We used to do like mat donation um, initiatives, which I of course we paused that. on during the pandemic because right schools like weren't either in session or like using um using mats. But we used to do things like gathering and uh, gathering um gently use yoga mats for schools to be able to run their yoga programs. So I used to volunteer and um, try to support them whatever way I could. And then when I lived in Nashville, um a spot had opened up on the team and it was just it all just like kind of fit in at the exact right time. It was right. like a totally natural fit uh, for me. So I've been working with her and the team and ever since and we've just been like evolving since then.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Really inspiring work that you are all doing and that you are doing as part of all the things that you were a part of Melissa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you. we originally, um, we were connected previously before this this moment, but there was a moment last summer or fall when we were on the cover of a magazine together. And um, this is part of how this conversation came into being was Melissa and I kind of having a back and forth exchange about our experiences in that process. And one of the things that we really started highlighting together and exploring together was the way that, systems like white supremacy um, in particular, and also settler colonialism capitalism, whiteness in general, um, are playing out in the yoga setting. And we were talking about, um, I mean, I feel like this has become a a, a much more elevated conversation in the last few years, though I, I see ways in which people are kind of returning to opting out of the conversation. Um, (laughs) And and Melissa and I really wanted to have a conversation on the podcast with Lauren's participation and support too, uh, not so much to focus on the experience we both had of that magazine and that feature, but more so about how we challenge those systems together and how we move forward. I wonder if there's anything you wanna say, Melissa, to frame the conversation, any thoughts you wanna like name right off the top?
2: Thank you. Um, I'm just really grateful for the opportunity to have this conversation with you and with Lauren. Um, and like you shared, you know, we've been sort of going back and forth since last October, November. And I'm also really grateful for the people that brought us together. Um, and all like the, you know, even the circumstances that have brought a lot of challenges and difficulties in a way they also like bring, um, they bring us together and other people we work with together and like really magical things happen. And so, you know, um, I'm just uh, Yeah, I'm just really grateful for our, the, all the things that like, all the things and people that participate in different ways so that this can happen. And um, I think one thing I want to share about um, Magazine Feature back in the fall was, and I'm sure we'll touch on this, is the struggle I sometimes feel between wanting to be um, a part of, or if not me, then other people in my community to be a part of an increase in representation in an industry that... Profits off of um, South Asian and Indian culture and um, yet doesn't actually center or, or rarely centers South Asian um, or Indian people in yoga and wellness. And um, so I struggle, I guess I struggle with wanting to be a part of that or wanting our communities to be a part of that push for representation and seeing like, yeah, like there needs to be like systemic changes, but also with the function of social media and media a lot of it is like what you see at a first glance and do you see yourself in that ad or do you not or do you see yourself on that cover or do you not before you even open it up right and so to be a part of that i think is really important and for that to happen is really important but i also struggle with that and with well if things aren't really changing on a fundamental level with these companies or organizations i'm participating in then like what am i also contributing to then and what is, what is really the motivation behind what I'm doing and how in some ways do I maybe like unconsciously justify that, right. By saying, well, representation is great. Like no matter what it is, and maybe, and I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but for me, I'm starting to explore like, well, is that really true? Um, and so sometimes I, I feel like a lot of like complicated feelings on like what to say yes to and what to say no to um, and also when, you know, these same companies will then ask, oh, can you refer a few people that we can reach out to? Um, and sometimes that's how I, like, I end up there is because somebody referred me to, you know? And so just a lot of questions around like that, like referral system and how, if they're not, if these companies don't actually have the capacity or the people on their team to like build like real relationships, with the people they're working with, then everything's just going to keep happening on like who gets recommended. And there that can be beneficial, like maybe as a starting point, but beyond that, um, I don't know, like, what, like, what are we perpetuating now? So,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. I was just going to say relationships, seem to be like the theme of all of these, what what all of these conversations come down to when we've had them on the podcast. And I know when we chatted a little bit on Monday, I don't even know what time it is anymore. <laughs> that, that's what I heard both of you naming in not just this experience with this magazine, but overall, like what is the relationship building process? It's not just whether there is or is not a relationship, but what's the quality of it? Mm-hmm. What else is yeah. happening to take that beyond just the surface level? feature of you on something, um, that seem to be, that seems to be the biggest challenge, I think, for navigating these is what I'm hearing you both say.
2: Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I keep thinking about like, how do we, and I'm thinking too about Jacoby Ballard's conversation on the podcast Mm -hmm. and how, um, and, and, and the complexities of taking advantage of opportunities, quote unquote, like being presented with an opportunity to reach a larger audience, to share the important work that you're doing with a larger community for people to know you when they previously don't. But like what's happening beyond that opportunity moment, (laughs) I'm putting that in quotes, like because what like what's the underlying context? How are you being treated? What is the communication look like? What are the expectations of you look like? is there financial compensation? Are you respected? And then not to mention like what is being signaled then outwardly, right? When a magazine uses your name and likeness and the work that you do to, to say we're, we're inclusive or we're diverse or we're highlighting game changers, but then the next issue and subsequent issues predominantly focus on thin, white, cisgender, able-bodied women. And then the narrative continues. And obviously we're seeing this play out, we're seeing this play out on on magazine covers and in teacher training, faculty lineups and conferences and festivals, like who's being, who's the focal point of of who's receiving these invitations, right? And and I also want to name two, and then I'll pause and see if there's anything you want to add because I'm kind of like all over the place, but I just wanted to get this out too. The other point that I'm hearing or that I feel in the experience that we had that we've touched upon is that like being the only one, um, being the only trans person in a list of people, whether that's on a magazine or an event or a festival or a conference, being the only, uh, this makes me, I feel fire on the back of my head, like the only South Asian teacher on the cover of a yoga magazine in a lineup of game changers, like how, and I'm not, yeah. I don't even want to say how like I know how, you know, right. and it's interesting, too, to see like the ways in which South Asian teachers and leaders are being ignored or invisibilized or erased si- alongside the erasure and invisibilization of trans yoga teachers. Right. And. Um, So a big part of, I mean, I wanted to name all of that and invite you, Melissa, to like say anything you want to say to anything I just said, but also to talk about like, okay, so how do we challenge this? Like, what do we do? Right. Um,
2: Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. By the way, I think that it's so clear what you're saying and it does not feel all over the place at all. (laughs) Okay. It's It's so, it's like, it's so clear, you know, um, when I, like, with that particular, like, magazine feature, I mean, that's, I don't want to, like, just focus on that, right, because yeah. it's, like, representative of something bigger. But in that particular scenario, um, I kind of went into it with some caution, asked a lot of questions. I know you did, too. And um, one of the things I, I really, like, asked about was who else is being featured. And that's something I actually learned from Angel and Jessel, who host the Yoga Is Dead podcast. Um, I'm not sure if they mentioned in their podcast, but in some of the other work they've done, um, I don't, I think at least one of them had mentioned, you know, when you're like saying yes to opportunities or events, like you're like, ask who else is being a part of it, you know, and ask, and um, ask like, is it like, you know, how much you're being paid and how much is everyone being paid and making sure that there's like actual, like fair representation before you say yes. And um, that, like, that really stayed with me with like future opportunities that I took on. So when this magazine feature came up, I thought, okay, well, there's going to be like a bunch of people on the cover. I want to know like who else is on there um, to know like what I'm saying as to, and I remember, I think everyone wasn't confirmed at that time, but they just shared like who was confirmed with maybe like four or five people out of like 15. And so, um, and I remember like they were super, they were super nice about it, but they weren't willing to share like who else was on the list. So I, I also, you know, I had expressed like, I just want to make sure I'm not being tokenized and I'm not the only like the person on the cover because there are like so many colleagues of mine who should also be on this too. And if they're not going to be on it, then I want to make sure there's at least like additional content where I can like put their websites and like names and stuff like that. Um, But I remember going into it, like with that, with that little bit of cautiousness um, and there was probably something there that might've told me, Oh, if they're not willing to share, like, what does that mean? You know? And should I move forward? But I, I moved forward anyway, kind of like hoping, well, you know, they've definitely like made some mistakes. I'm sure they learned from it and just kind of moved on and, I don't don't know yeah I guess like and uh that's like how that kind of how I went to went into it I know Tristan like when we chatted you had shared some similar things as well and so I definitely like use that like moving like moving forward and there's at the same time like what like what is the threshold you know if we're like the only one out of a group like not that that's okay but like is that still moving something in a certain direction or is it not right? Or does it need to be three people or four people or five people? Like, I don't actually know what that answer is where like, I don't know what the answer is where like, I would then feel okay with that. And I think that's what I'm really curious about too. Um, And I I feel like that can change and evolve as well. Mm -hmm. But I also think that, um, you know, the tokenization, like, it's just, it's just not stopping. It's really not stopping. And I think that it's always going to be changing and evolving because I think people right away were like really reactive and so sorry, no We're worries. really reactive and um, you know, wanted to make sure that whatever was public like showed a lot of diversity, but like beyond that there maybe like wasn't diversity or actually a lot of change on a fundamental level. And so that can sometimes actually cause, like, that can cause a lot of harm because if you're like trying to make a decision on whether you wanna be involved in a certain initiative or an event, or if you wanna do a certain training or a course, and what you see marketed to you are all like brown, brown and black folks, for example. Um, then you take the training and the entire faculty maybe is white or um, you don't feel like you're represented in like the cohort or the staff or anything, but you're making a decision based on like what's what's being marketed to you. And I, and I definitely see that happening too. I'm sure you both do. Um, and that just makes it all more challenging because it just infuriates me because I'm like, well, one, it doesn't feel like anything's changing, but also two, there's a lot of manipulation happening to get people to feel like they're being, for people of color, um, Korean trans people to feel like they're being represented or like celebrated in a way, but when it actually comes to like the content or the actual course or the opportunity, you get there and you just feel like you're actually kind of trapped, you know? Um, and I think there are a lot of people doing great work, you know, moving in a different direction, but these are a few things that are top of mind for me that I find, I find really challenging.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah.
2: I, and when I've heard from
0: both of you too, and this gets very messy, so uh, please don't feel like you have to respond to it or have like big thoughts about it. But I, I hear like such a sense of responsibility from both of you to number one, protect yourselves from tokenization and being used and leveraged in that way, and to protect others. And it, it is so heartbreaking to me that, that those aren't conversations that these gatekeepers are having more often, not to say that none of them are having it, but like, ultimately that it, that shouldn't have to fall mm-hmm. on the people who are being harmed. Um, and and yet yeah, that's, that's the situation that you're describing. And so for anyone like listening, I hope that that's coming through, like the folks who are experiencing the harm doing their best to protect themselves and other folks with those identities from being harmed like that. That's, that shouldn't be anyone's job, but the people who are causing the harm or potentially causing harm. It gets pretty fucked up.
1: Um, Yeah.
2: I think, I think along with that, what you're saying, Lauren, I I totally agree, of course, but I think alongside that, it just makes me start to think about tokenization in some ways tell me tell me how you both feel about this but I think tokenization in some ways as a result of like the like dominant culture in power specifically white people in yoga that refusal the refusal to the refusal to give up the seat of power mm-hmm. um, yes. and so if actually like gave that power to a trans person to actually like run or lead the initiative or just even like step back and let like you know um someone like Tristan like just have more visibility on like what they're already offering, right? It's not like that they have to ins- be inserted into what um, this is, ha- like what person is doing, but there's so many like Korean trans people doing like incredible work that already exists, right? It's our ar- it's already happening and doesn't always get the same same amount of visibility or attraction or in like mainstream in mainstream wellness. So I don't know. I think with the tokenization, it's like, well, that's also happening because like the people who are, creating these opportunities, right? Are coming from that seat of power that they're like not willing to let go of. Um, and that, and that I don't think it's only true for white people too. Like for example, um, for APIDA, um, Asian Pacific Islander, they say American heritage month. I wanted to do like um, as many IG features as I could with like people I knew um, from APIDA backgrounds in wellness who are like doing really great work. And it took, when I when I sent out an email to who I wanted to like invite in, um I looked at that list and I was like you know how like who on here like isn't like cis and heteronormative you know and um or like is there anyone on here who like isn't South Asian of course there are gonna be more South Asian people on the list because like there's a lot of people in my community but like that's also an issue too if you're thinking about like multiple identities like you're wanting to highlight and I saw that too and I was like okay well these are all people I still really love and I think they're doing great work but like to move that to move us forward, right? In a direction where we're actually being like, not just like including everyone, but actually making space for everyone to like express themselves and uplift their work. Like, you know, even um, even someone who isn't white, but is also has other like dominant culture identities, like being your sister hat, like we can totally, we still participate in that. And it's like an active effort and like you're still gonna make mistakes and in um, all of those things. But like, maybe the question is like, giving that seat, giving that seed of power actually to someone else to be doing those features. Right. Um, it's all, you know, sometimes I think like, you know, when we say yes to some of these opportunities, I think, um, I think what people would norm would usually tell me, like with that particular magazine feature is like, just do it. You know, any visibility is like good visibility. And then after Tristan and I connected, we're like, I'm not so sure about that. You know, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's not really true, you know? And, um, especially if you're wanting to like say yes to things and participate in things that are like in alignment with your values you know maybe it's actually saying no to things that in theory are going to like give you more traction in your work but if their audience um is not this it's not a similar audience that you want to work with or invite in then like in some ways like no traction might happen from that right it just i don't know what do you think
1: I mean, I do feel like for me personally, nothing happened. Like, like, I don't know that my business grew, (laughs) you know, like, I don't know that public recognition of my work grew. Like what I do know is that somebody on Instagram DM'd me and said, I never thought I'd see someone with my gender identity or someone who looks like me and my gender expression reflected back to me on the cover of that magazine. And your face on the cover meant something to me. And so that is like that's cool. Like that's the stuff. Right. But in, but that person wasn't subjected to some of the garbage that, you know, was going on in the background. And know what happens after they use our image on one cover like it all just goes back to normal as i said earlier so like you know we don't see pronouns next to bylines outside of that issue like i was the like did they just put pronouns next to our names because i was there and if that was the case then this isn't a matter of culture shift this isn't a matter of meaningful change it is it's a matter of tokenization and performativity and then that is more harmful than good. And also we need to see these faces that we're not historically seeing yeah. or currently seeing. And so, I mean, it's a both and, but like I get, re- I mean, I'm, I can feel it happening. I'm getting really fiery and angry about this whole thing. And it happens to me when I see conferences launch without featuring people like me, yeah. you know, um, or people like you, like again. And like, I, I think there is some collective shifting happening in yoga, at least in some spaces around, around diversity and I see people understanding that they can't just perpetuate the white paradigm in their yoga teacher trainings or whatever, but it's like, okay, so great. Now you've got black folks on the lineup. Very important. Like we need that. We need you to be making those efforts, but are those black folks safe in the space, right? Like, is there a container set up or a culture set up where black folks are actually going to be seen and respected and honored? Right. Or are they going to be experiencing microaggressions? And then what happens when we don't see South Asian representation or trans representation? And then what happens when we get the invitation to join the thing, but again, the space isn't actually set up for us. And so we're potentially accepting an opportunity for the exposure or for the income. And, and we're getting, and we're experiencing harm and it's, it's, it, 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 it does, it comes back to like very clear performativity and tokenization versus meaningful culture shift and meaningful inclusion, like inclusion in the real sense of the word, not in the let's just tick a box and include you on a list, but let's change our, our the nature of what we're doing so we can genuinely see and honor you because that's what inclusion should be, right? Yeah, and sharing power. So yeah.
0: We're both saying like, if someone is invited into a space who has marginalized identities and it's a largely white cis space, you know, checkbox of every <laughs> privileged identity, like is that seat of power being given up? And I, I think yeah. to what you're both saying, like it, most of the time it's not, I haven't seen very many examples of where that is. And I'm sure I perpetuate it too in my own way, right? So one thing I'm curious about is, you know, you talked about the process of you know, being approached and the questions you were asking, I also know you two were having conversations with other folks to kind of just feel things out and that that's part of the process too going forward. But are there things that would be helpful from like co-conspirators, folks who have more power and privilege to leverage in these situations that would just make things feel better and not be so hard to navigate where you're taking on all of that burden?
1: Go ahead, Melissa.
2: (laughs) Um, honestly, honestly the first thing that comes to mind that I've seen some of my colleagues do which I think is great is just being willing to decenter yourself like and, like making out about you and that might be that that might be even like it's not even through your platform Maybe you use like your social media or your email list to promote an offering that somebody else is doing or their work or um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be like through your website you know or through something you're doing you're hiring someone to, um, to teach or to, to give their offering. Uh, I'm not sure if that's clear. Yeah, if it yeah. It
1: makes sense. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And that's like the first thing that's coming to my mind right now. I think, I don't know. I think that with, um, I remember like Susanna Barkataki for Trans Day Visibility, she like used her social media. She has like a pretty big following, right. And she has a like pretty big platform there. But, um, she just handed it over, you know, to like someone else who was amazing. And they did like a whole takeover with help of, um, you know, Tristan and like so many other people to like put this together. And it was like, I think like a really great example of like, yeah, like using, like, if you have more power and privilege, even if that means with like clout, you know, like on the internet and like more visibility, how can you use that in a way that, um, isn't actually about you at all, you know? Um, And being, and being willing to like step aside for that, to like let other people, let other people shine. I think that's a pretty big one. I think some people are like doing a really good job at that too. I think there are a lot of people out there, especially with the festivals and conferences, like you were mentioning, Lauren, um, retreat centers, uh, online offerings, you know, where people are just like, they're, they're not willing to like let go of the, let go of their like seat of power that they have in that particular, um, in that particular area of the industry. And I think what happens with that is like everything that gets included in a conference or a festival, it's like through through like that, um, through that lens, right? Just like I was mentioning what I was doing for Athena month, right? It's like through my lens. And so it's like an active effort to try to like clean that lens and try to like think beyond that and know that it's not gonna be perfect. And for next year, like how do I actually like, how do I actually work to like, you know, build like meaningful relationships versus um, you know, versus like only going through like referrals and recommendations. And so I don't know, I think those are two big ones.
0: Yeah. And those take time. They require slowing down and just having more awareness and like so much of capitalism, like white supremacy culture and all these things we're talking about has that urgency and this rush to like get the lineup announced and open registration and like fill your calendar for if it's a retreat center we're yeah, talking yeah. about, and obviously we're talking about the yoga and wellness industry, but this applies everywhere. So for people listening, if you're like checking out because you're not into yoga, like this don't <laughs> um, But like, had you not had the presence of mind to pause and look at those emails you were sending for a pita month, like you wouldn't have recognized, oh shit, this is almost all cis people. Um it really does take like a it's a slower process. It's like slow food being more nutritious, right? It's not gonna be like that quick hit of like sugar rush. Um, but it's it's deeper and it's good. And we can slow down.
1: And I think the other thing that's coming up for me in all of this is this like competition and scarcity mindset stuff, like, like how I can't slow down and say, well, what are you doing in this process? Who else is being featured? I just need to accept the opportunity because the opportunity means everything because it's exposure. Right. But like. And, and plus, if I slow down and ask the hard questions, that could be seen as pushing back and me being uncooperative or ungrateful. And then I could, quote, lose the opportunity. Right. And and it's just all of these things around. um taking advantage when we're invited to have a a platform or whatever, and and not necessarily being mindful of the consequences of that or understanding our own relationship to privilege and and power or or taking advantage of things because of, of competition mindset, too. I'm even thinking about podcasts I've been invited on, you know, and I'm in a unique position because I teach about my identity for my work. But like I have very clear understanding of when I do that and when I don't. But over time, I've noticed like I don't want to just accept podcast invites anymore. I want to get a little bit more intentional and ask the quote hard questions about what somebody's wanting from me when I accept a podcast interview, because if I just go in and say like, it'll be fine. I teach about this all the time. I live this. I'll just show up and do it. But then I find that the whole conversation is essentially asking me for my labor about trans identity and what gender is like versus what we've been taught, then I end up leaving feel feeling like I've been taking advantage of and disrespected. And, and like, they're like, what about all these other fa- facets of my work and who I am? Like, let's just ignore the other parts of Tristan's work, because what we really want to do is take advantage of their lived experience as a trans person who also teaches about transness. Like, oh my God.
2: <laughs> so true. It's like, you don't ever get to be anything else, you know, right. um, or like, or share like all these other amazing skills that you have, you know? which can be like, obviously through your, like, through your anybody's lens because of their identity, but it's like, also can be more expensive than that, you know? Um, Or like, rather, I think it's like having, I would say maybe more so like having the agency to choose like when you want to operate out of that and like when you don't, right? Like, and if you do, like, that should be your choice. Um, I agree. I I also think that like, like you said, you know, without just having to say yes right away and maybe be more willing to if somebody asks you for a podcast interview or interview for something else, be willing to respond with like, Hey, like this looks great. Can we hop on a, a five minute call? And maybe, cause maybe you've never met them before, you know, yeah. so you have no idea who they are and you've looked at their website, right? You could see all the public facing stuff. You just want to have a human conversation. And I think with more virtual opportunities, like kind of standing the test of time with the pandemic and we're still doing them. I think that's so important mm-hmm. to be willing, um, to be willing to do that. Especially if, if you're, Trying to make your actions decisions from a place that's like more connected to your inner knowing of like is this really the right thing for me mm-hmm. or not, you know having that like human moment with someone, um, I think is super important. I've definitely been doing that more recently too, and I've noticed there are some people who are like not into that, you know like they'll yeah. say yes, but then they're like it's almost like you said you're like it think sometimes when people will get offended like oh normally no one ever asks to talk before thing and I'll just share like yeah well I think for me it's really important because I don't really keep track of my direct messages on Instagram. If somebody contacts me directly through that, if I don't respond right away, like I almost forget about it. And so I usually respond saying, please email me. Mm -hmm. Then I can actually have take more like intentional time to actually read through what they want um, and have an opportunity to email back saying, Hey, let's, let's chat because maybe it's not the right fit, but if we're not willing to have that human moment with someone like we never really get to know until we're already in the situation and, again, you're in the situation like Tristan was sharing and you're like, well, like, what do I do now? You know? Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that a lot.
1: Yeah. I've had so many instances where I, not so many, but some where I get misgendered the minute we start recording and I'm like, oh, <laughs> this should be an interesting conversation. <laughs> I got to go. I'll see
0: you
2: later. Turn video off.
0: <laughs> well, and, you know, kind of speaking of how shitty it feels to be, treated as just one identity when we're all complex intersectional beings. Um, Melissa, when it comes to your work and just what you want to invite into how you spend your time, let's say in the next year, two years, five years, like what are you looking for? Like what are you hoping to bring in as you move forward? Um,
2: You know, I just had an IG Live with Bajal earlier today um, with a very similar question. Um, So it's interesting that you're asking that. I think first what's coming to mind when you think about it, when we when you mention identity that um i feel really strongly about but i'm still like are trying to articulate for myself like how i really feel about it so i might fumble a little um like being you know being indian american being of like indian heritage south asian heritage it informs a lot of my work informs my teaching um i grew up with this practice in so many ways Um, And in a lot of ways, I'm, you know, I'm also American. (laughs) Like I was born and raised here, and so there is a lot of people I know who are also um, South Asian American or Indian American um, will identify as like being a part of a third culture, right? And this I think um, can be true even for like children who aren't like born um, in an immigrant household, right? If they have like any kind of other marginalized identity, sometimes you feel like you know you're in that third culture where. You have your your relationship to your cultural identity for yourself, but then you also have like the mainstream cultural identity, and then there's like a gray area where you just are used to living in all the time, mm-hmm. where you're not really you're not really enough for either one, right? So you kind of find mm-hmm. like a another path um, where you belong, uh, which is why a lot of these like South Asian-led spaces, you know, in um, that developed a lot during the pandemic, like the Israel space, um, for example, is so important because. A lot of us grew up in the diaspora right so there's like a unique experience of having to live in that like a little bit of that in between and there's a huge spectrum in how we all relate to our culture it's like not not a monolith at all which is like true for any identity right so it informs a lot of my work but one thing i've been sort of sitting with and trying to articulate for myself is tokenization right like somebody inviting you in to teach for a training or workshop or something um, and they might lead with the statement i haven't gotten a lot of this recently thank goodness but and people will lead with the statement, like, um, you know, because, because you're South Asian or because you're Indian or whatever, like, we we really want to have, like, authenticity in our training, right? Or we want to have, like, an authentic voice and what, whatever the offering is. But they'll kind of relate the two things together, like being South Asian authenticity. And so I've had a conversation with a few other people in the South Asian community, and there's been a lot of interesting conversations that are getting really tricky, right? Which is why I haven't put it on social media, because it could be really be really like misinterpreted of being indian american is not the only thing that makes me like a good yoga teacher or a good Mm. yoga therapist um but it also like informs a lot of my work right like we're the expert on our own experience but we're not necessarily i'm not the expert on like my whole culture right and no one is because we all have different ways that we relate to it and so i've been like playing with that a lot where when we were talking about like being tokenized, right, and being invited, invited, invited in as like the brown voice for something, especially with like yoga and wellness. More and more people are doing that, right, and in the, in the in the hopes to like be more authentic or be more like traditional. And I know this is audio, but I'm using quotation marks. Right
0: now. <laughs> lots of air quotes. <laughs> yes. I love it.
2: <laughs> lots, of, lots of lots of air quotes. Um, and I think I just think that's like super dangerous because. If you're coming in into a lens, like all the things we said, right. If you're coming into it, coming into it, the lens of, um, already having all these identities that are aligned with dominant culture, right. Like being white sister has able body, but in this particular scenario, like being white, right. And you're coming into, the, you're coming into it with that lens of, if I bring a brown face in, then like whatever I'm doing will be more authentic, right. Or more, mm-hmm. um, it, it automatically means I'm like honoring the roots of yoga. Right. But mm-hmm. Um, I just take real issue with that, basically, and I haven't really, like, talked about it, like, on a podcast or anything yet, because I'm not sure, like, how, how to word it exactly, except that being, like, being South Asian doesn't automatically make anyone mm. a, a good, like, the best yoga teacher, you know, it's, one, it, that's, like, a super individual thing on, I, um, I really enjoy what I do, but it's, it's not for everyone, you know, and not everyone wants to work with a yoga therapist and that's not everyone's path. Right. And not everyone needs to do yoga. That's not the modality for everyone. And coming, coming to me with the intention of trying to be more authentic and inviting an Indian voice because of that is like hugely problematic mm-hmm. because you're feeding all, um, you know, whether whether South Asian or Indian or Pakistani, right? It, it dip, there's so many countries in South Asia, right? So to say South Asian is like, in some ways, almost too general because the culture is so different in each country. But to come yeah. to an Indian American person, like with that intention, you're already assuming that we all have the same experience or similar yeah. experience, right? You're assuming that maybe all of us like grew up practicing yoga with our parents, which is not true for everyone, you know? And what about, what about Indian American kids who are also like, Adapted into another family, right? And are connecting to their culture in a different way. So there's so many issues I take with that. And I think it's a conversation that really needs to be had even within the South Asian yoga community, because there is a lot of like divisiveness on coming from the lens of white supremacy of not being like brown enough, right? And not being like cultural enough or uh, not being like yogic enough or like whatever, like whatever that means um there's already a lot of that in the south asian community and like well who gets who gets to decide that and it often happens where that who gets to decide that falls in the hands of white people where they get to use this idea of authenticity as like a weapon of uh, mm-hmm. to see like when they're choosing a teacher it's like well like how is that actually changing anything or how is that moving anything forward um anyway yeah feel mm. strongly yeah. about that and Tristan, I'm curious to hear about your thoughts too you know um what, if you feel comfortable talking about it, you know, from being like identifying as trans too. And if you've had any similar experiences, that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I also think that um some of these things are happening so subtly um, and, and the language is so subtle that it's hard for me to always, and we've talked about this on the podcast a lot, like sometimes harm happens and I don't realize it's happening until like two weeks right. later when I've digested it. And then I'm like, Oh shit. Like that sucked. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I mean, I have had experiences where like, I, I've had one in particular with a yoga studio owner who when when I was originally emailed and invited to be part of a teacher training program, the language that was used was like underestimated and overlooked or something or like unseen or like the language. it felt like the language was like, wait, what are you actually saying like. Like, like I've been here, you know, like I've been practicing yoga for 20 years. Like you just didn't realize that I was trans and like, I didn't talk about my gender, you know or like share my sexuality with you. Like, but, but there's, I I think that there are ways in which it's like people's intentions don't match the impact of their actions. And I, I think, and I feel like that's a big part of what we're talking about. And when I think too, about like, it feels like people are seeking a stamp like this has been trans approved, you know. <laughs> like this has been South Asian approved. Like we just need one to get the stamp,
2: just one, one of you, you know. <laughs> that should be your new oh sticker,
0: Kristen.
1: <laughs>
2: I mean, I mean that needs to be on a t-shirt like ASAP. Trans approved.
1: <laughs> oh my god. I know, right?
2: but it's like, like it's such a yeah. capitalist mindset i'm like we need to put that on the merch site for all the fucking podcasts and i'm like no just like kidding certification but, you can right? pay
1: for it. it's like <laughs> one trans person did the approving but all the trans is <laughs> now approved you know <laughs> like, that'll be
2: that'll be fifty thousand dollars thank you
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's tricky um and i i'm i am afraid of what happens when i miss the harm like when it takes me 2 weeks to digest yeah. it and and instead i'm being used right um and i or like and i like i'm i'm learning in real time in this conversation too like my like my consent to some of these things, I can revoke it at any time. Like to your point, Melissa, like get off the podcast recording when somebody misgenders you just stop it right there. Oh, I can do that. Like yes, <laughs> yes you can, <laughs> Tristan. Like, like if we can remove our consent at any time, then the practice isn't to say, well, I, I already agreed. And now that I realize harm is happening, I just have to put up with it. But like how and this goes back too, to the question of like how much labor do we exert in these moments? moments? um, How much do we effort to call people in? What does that look like? Right. Um, And and then how do we back to another point in this conversation, work in solidarity across lines of difference. And I keep thinking about, and I know we talked about this briefly when we spoke before we started recording about like Jacoby sharing that, That they'll ask, like, what about South South Asian representation in this lineup? Have you met my friend Susanna Barkataki? And Susanna will be like, have you met my friend Jacoby? But they're working together, not just to get each other on the lineup or on the list, but also to, to advocate for the culture shift so that they can both be included in a meaningful, safer way. And like, I think, you know, too, back to like the speed at which things happen and the urgency, it's like. Well, we're launching our lineup in two weeks. So like this back and forth thing isn't going to get down with that, right? That schedule of that timeline or, you know, how much time are people willing to put into these hard conversations when they're trying to get shit done in a capitalist society, right? Um, It's complex. Um, Yeah. I look forward to seeing, Melissa, though, where you go with this, like yeah, it could be a whole workshop series or a program or a something. There are affinity I, like there are affinity spaces I was about you know, to say, spaces. I definitely see like an affinity.
0: Here I am telling you, like how this should go. Um, no, but it reminds me of um, my our friend Charlie Red, who um, I've co-led anti-racism trainings with. She talks about it as like it's like anti-racism 2.0, where you're getting into internalizations and like BIPOC folks need to be in their own space for that. Sometimes (laughs) a lot of times, like it's like going up the subtleties that you were speaking to Melissa. Like, I understand why that would be so hard to share on social media because a quick read of that could be taken so many different ways, (laughs) especially within a community I would imagine is tough. Um, so yeah, but, and also what you're speaking to was like the prejudice of someone approaching you and saying, because you have this identity, therefore you are checking this box for authenticity. Like I always think about how Michelle Johnson teaches, like in our skill and action trainings, we talk about prejudice, even if it's quote unquote good prejudice, it's still denying the individuality of that person. Right. Like their own unique perspective. So um, yeah, I would, I'm very interested to see where you (laughs) take that. So anyone listening wants to, have Melissa on your podcast to talk about it or whatever <laughs> like
1: i Also them. like, I'm like, oh, the graphic for social media is not all South Asian yoga teachers teach about cultural appropriation. You know what I mean? Like, yes. like, like can we stop perpetuating yeah. that narrative that like, anytime right. we see someone of Indian descent, yeah. like we just ask them questions about cultural appropriation. Like, and I'm thinking too, about the challenges of like asking for education and labor based on lived experience. And then also turning to your group of, of shared privileged identities and saying, what do we do about this? Right. And there's a, there's okay. a balance between those things like we need to be learning from people with lived experience and we also need to be having the conversations amongst ourselves as white people or as cisgender people to talk about what we're doing right right yeah
2: yeah I totally agree um I think with the you know Tristan you were sharing before about harm is happening but you might not realize it like till a couple of weeks later a few weeks later I think that's like a really great example. Um, They're really great example about how, when we're, when we're in tune with our systems, right. We see like how we, we see that things can take time to actually digest before we might even realize how we feel about them or before we realize like how they're affecting us. Right. We might have like the jolt in the moment and not necessarily like know what it means for us yet, but how that takes time and how can we like use that as like an example and to learn from that, like, you know, when, when someone like reaches out for an opportunity, or if you're listening to the podcast and you like have your own podcast or your own like conference or training where you're reaching out to people to invite them, and how can we actually bring in that concept of like just taking our time, you know, and action like needs to happen, but yeah. you know, if it's not sustainable, then like what what are we what are we doing, you know? Um, and if we're if we can feel that in ourselves, like I might feel a certain way about something when I'm like. Um, a part of some kind of opportunity. And I, I might have a thought in my mind, but I don't know what it means yet. And then have a few weeks till I process it. And, or if I don't have that time or if I don't have that time to process, or if I don't have people I can talk to, like, what does that mean for us in terms of how harm gets perpetuated and who has to hold that? And how does that affect like our bodies over time too? Yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah. You oh, said a lot there. I know.
2: <laughs> um.
0: <laughs> I guess I'm wondering to take a little bit of a left turn as we start to wind up our time, like how, in what ways currently and in the future, do you want folks to be supporting your work and coming into your community right now?
1: That's for you, Melissa. Oh, uh,
0: sorry. <laughs> oh
2: no.
1: Um, well, or for both of you. No, way, no. Yeah, you you go, you go. <laughs> you're, the, you're the guest. You're
2: the guest. So what's top of mind for me right now, um, in how i want especially like more privileged folks to when they're coming in to um be involved in the work i'm doing is what i'm really wanting to build is an a way to actually fund um you know fund whether it's like retreat spots workshop spots opportunities to work with me individually for um you know for more marginalized folks especially queer and trans bipoc BIPOC, lgbtqa like all of all of these communities i'm like really figuring out for myself and i'm like learning from some great people around me too like how do i actually build that into like my business model of it's just constantly going you know if you are if you're white and you want to support a south asian-led wellness space or you want to support a space where someone who's queer trans can actually participate or somebody who's in financial hardship um how can we actually like redistribute that wealth and so um the person, whether it's me or someone else, a person who's holding that space, it's actually financially sustainable for them to do that over time and not just like reactive mm-hmm. in the moment, right? But actually to maintain that as a business over time and everyone sort of share, everyone's sharing their responsibility. Um, that's something I'm sitting with right now. I think there's a lot of, there's already some things I've done with my business. Like when I started like all the online offerings to do that, but I think there's a lot more to be done and to have like a recurring like donation or, um, I'm leading retreat this November and I'm like still putting together all like the stuff on my website. And the holdup is really like, well, I want to have like two or three spots that are 50% off, you know, and I want to be able to do that and also still be able to pay the retreat center and to make sure like the chef is paid really well and to make sure I get paid and that everybody's like supported. So how do I do that? Um, And one of of those ways I'm thinking is like giving people the option to actually donate like five or $10 or something to go toward a scholarship spot. Which I think is actually really, really doable, but I've always like hesitated from going in that direction because for so many for so many reasons. But the big thing is like that um that fear that like people won't support that, you know. Um, mm. but I think that that's that's something that's top of mind for me right now. It's like less so like what kind of offerings I'm really doing, but more so like how to make it actually sustainable for people who are like especially often left out of these like wellness opportunities and wellness spaces. Um, to actually like yeah. Getting the access, like, you know, getting the access that, um, that is really important.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: Well, and let us know if, and when, you know, donations open up cause we can totally share that on Yay. our yeah. Instagram. Definitely. Um, yeah. And yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Super exciting though. Yeah. Anything else you want to name, uplift, share, pose to the listeners as we close out, Melissa?
2: i just really grateful for both your work and your time and, for like all of the people that like we work with and learn from too, especially like Susanna and um, Jivana and Jacoby and Michelle Cassandra Johnson. And I mean, there's so many others, but a lot of those people, I think like their work and um, how they show up is also like, I feel like part of like why I'm here in this space with both of you. So um, oh. I'm just really grateful for that.
1: Yes. Yeah. I feel that too. They're here. they're here. Yeah. They're here. If you're listening, all of you, <laughs> you better be
2: listening. Know,
1: right? <laughs> we love you. And also aren't you listening? <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for joining us, Melissa. I, I look forward to more conversations when, when the opportunities present themselves. Same. Yeah.
2: Same. Thank yeah. you so much. Both of you. Death. 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 Death.
1: Death is a penalty. Thanks for listening to this episode of All the Fuckin. If you like what we're doing, we'd love if you'd subscribe to us on Apple or Spotify and leave us a five-star rating and review. This helps other folks find us. You can learn more at all That's alltfinpodcast.com. That's A-L-L-T-F-I-N podcast.com. And on Instagram at All TFIN Podcast or at Tristan Katz Creative or and at Lauren K. Roberts.